Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And I'm TJ Miller. And welcome to episode 145 of the North Meet South web podcast. Chicka, chicka, chinna. It's been a while since we've had a guest on. Um, and the last time we had a guest on was probably, hmm, probably a Christmas extravaganza. And so, TJ, you were actually one of our last guests, I think. Mm hmm. Unless it was, yeah, no, I think that's a lot. I think you're, I think that was the last time we had anybody on the show. So TJ, welcome back. Yo, what's up? I'm super stoked to be here. Always a fun time. Yep. It is always a good time. So one of the OG cash money co-work dudes, Mr. TJ Miller, TJ, for anybody who doesn't know you, could you give us a quick intro? What you're up to these days and um, where you're from? All that good stuff. Yeah, man. I'm uh, based out of Metro Detroit. I'm currently working at Curology as a senior engineer on their architecture team. Um, the last like few months have been mostly just redoing our entire development environment over into Docker. So like the last few months have just been living in Bash and Docker files. So a lot of fun. Hmm. That's interesting. So you do like Bash then? This is what you're saying? It's been fun? It's been like an enjoyable experience? <sighs> it's like as enjoyable as doing fun puzzles are like i don't know it's it's a fun kind of pain <laughs> okay okay it's a fun kind of pain yeah. all right it's like uh it's like a good workout right i mean it's work yes. but at the end of it you feel like you've accomplished something really good yeah it's especially like, okay, if you I can do this again. i can do this again tomorrow especially yeah. if you get into using like all the charm bracelet stuff that just like makes everything super pretty too I'm not sure what that charm is. Bracelets. Can you what is this? quick yeah, charm quick, bracelet uh, there you have, down low on charm bracelets? Charm bracelet has like a whole set of tools and utilities for creating command line applications. Um they're kind of hmm. a little bit more centered in Golang, but they also have a like really nice interface package for like just shell scripts. So everything from like simple colors hmm. to like full TUI, like terminal interfaces. And that it's makes making pretty scripts really easy. Huh. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Um, the, uh, only work I've done recently in bash, not even really, I mean, just command line stuff is, uh, working, you know, messing around with just, uh, just Acha's new prompt stuff in Laravel, which has been pretty cool. I've seen some people do some crazy stuff with that. Like, uh, yeah, have you like seen, as an aside to that, Joe, Joe Tannenbaum has been doing some wild stuff. He's turned into some kind of, uh, PHP CLI monster. Yeah. I have not. I, the only thing I saw was like this uh, Kanban board uh, with, you know, the prompts and stuff. It was really interesting. Like keyboard mm. navigation, really cool. So, yeah, he created some kind of like Norton Commander interface. It's uh, yeah. I'll put some links in the show notes. Yeah. He's done Wild some stuff. That blew crazy me away. Things. I was super impressed. Wild stuff. So, uh, this week, we wanted to have TJ on to talk about APIs because we sounded sufficiently ignorant last week talking about it. And so we thought, you know what, instead of blathering on ourselves about uh, things that we don't know about, let's ask TJ, who also forgotten all the stuff that he learned <laughs> a long time ago, and we could all act like dumb people together. No, I'm just kidding. TJ actually had a talk back in the day about APIs at Laracon in Chicago, which was really cool. And we cheered you on from like row three, and uh, that was pretty cool. And so that was a lot of fun. But it's it's been maybe a little bit since you've been in API world, but I know for a while there, you were really heavy into it. So uh, wanted to talk about some of the different things that we mentioned last show, and I'll just kind of give a high-level recap of the couple things that we talked about, which were JSON API, JSON schema, and Swagger-OpenAPI. So what we're trying to figure out is how these different things work together, 
and uh, what jobs they solve, right? What things they solve. And so I don't know where the best place to start is on this. My, my recap as far as the notes that I gave last time are as such. JSON API is, this is, this is my notes. So it's, this does not mean it's true. It just means this is what I wrote down. JSON API is, is a set of standards for how to format a JSON response. Uh, so it's a standard structure for your APIs. So it has like different requirements like tri- type, ID, attributes. Uh, and that's what JSON API was. JSON schema is uh, made to model a particular response or a particular JSON object. So if you have a user, JSON schema says you should have a uh, representation of that that looks like this. So here's a particular schema around a user object. And this is what we recommend you would send back if you're looking at a user, maybe. Uh, And then Swagger was basically a type of documentation uh, that will allow you to define not only your endpoints, but things like how do you authenticate, what are the requests and responses look like, et cetera. So those are the notes I had from last time. So the word soup that I just threw out there, I don't know if any if you want to start on any of those in particular, or if you know if it's it's better to start from like a higher level and kind of dig our way down into the more detailed stuff. Or if it's easier to start at like the more detailed stuff and work our way up to a higher level. What do you what do you think? Oh, I don't know, man. Let's just like wander our way through it. <laughs> okay. JSON, just <laughs> let's talk about JSON API. Yeah. So what is what what's JSON API? So JSON API what's that, what's is like the specification for formatting like an entire JSON response, including like relationships, how you would format pagination, um, like how like the actual resource of like a user would look. Um, so it's like a full specification. And like one of the things I love about JSON API is like, yeah, it's it's a whole bought-in schema. So you can easily drop into your teams and just say, hey, we're standardizing around this. And like, this is how all of our API responses are going to look. And you don't really have to make a ton of decisions. I found that hmm. most people, most APIs only need like portions of the JSON API spec. So to like bring in everything can kind of be overbearing. So especially if you're working in smaller teams, just come up with your own spec. Like I think the Laravel defaults are great. Like having a key for data where you nest everything in there, a key for pagination, and then like all our extra bits of metadata to keep it simple. Okay, so let's talk about that real quick. So let me maybe expand on this a little bit. The great thing about JSON is that you can do whatever you want with it. The bad thing about JSON is you can do whatever you want with it, right? <laughs> and so the problem is that if you don't use some sort of structure, some sort of standardized structure, all your responses end up looking different every time uh, you create one. And so you know everything that's consuming those JSON responses have to be in explicitly aware of the response that's coming back. Uh, in order to be able to work with it, right? You have to kind of, you know, have sample code or whatever, whatever. Whereas if you use something like JSON API, you're going to at least have a general idea of the structure that you're going to get back. You know that the pieces of information you're going to get back are going to be in this place. And you know, if you need to get more data because there's too much to fit on a single response, you need to go look here, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's sort of the benefit, right? But what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is that if you're not you know, building out an entire API to be consumed by a third party, and you're just working on something internal, 
it might be a bit much. So as long as you have a structure that you sort of agree upon, it's it's probably fine to just define your own. Yeah, I think the most yeah, important sort piece of? is that everyone's like bought in, right? Like you're all like okay. everybody's bought in on like this is the standard, this is the way we're going to do things. And yeah, mm-hmm. as long as you're there, that's that's like that's the key. Okay. So talk to me about when you say the Laravel default. Like what do you mean by that? Are you saying if you build out um like JSON response objects uh from Laravel cuz this is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you have eloquent models or collections and then you can send them back in a json response right so for people who aren't familiar with that um talk a little bit about that what's what's that about yeah so i highly recommend using laravel's like resource responses i think that they're i think they're resource yeah it's like the eloquent resource responses um Mm -hmm. and so that kind of serves as the transformation layer of taking your models and turning them into like the resources that you want to respond with um, and it has all okay. sorts of like really nice features of being able to like merge in different, you know, different properties, depending on what the user is requesting or what maybe what roles they have, um, all sorts of great features. So highly recommend using those. There's, there's a default that comes along with that. So that I believe outputs um, nests everything in a data key. And so your like top level response has data and then all of your you know information about the models nested in there. And that comes right out of the box with those eloquent resource responses. And then you can customize that key. And then I think uh, if you pass in a paginated model, it also adds in the pagination inside of a meta key. Okay. And then it includes the information to be able to get those next responses off of that pagination. Uh, uh, you know, okay. And then you said mentioned something about meta as well. So do you have like a meta key in the JSON response as well that you can just chuck whatever you want in there too? It's typically what I do. Okay. Okay. So if there's other data that's not necessarily related to the particular model that you're pulling, but I mean, you could even do something like this is the number of responses you have left for the day, right? Like yep. if let's say you're doing some like, you know, that sort of stuff, like you could throw that into the meta up at the top. Yep. That's as sometimes I've put okay. in there like, just we wanted to know how many total things there, like total relationships there were. Um, we can just kind of like toss those in there. But I think most things okay. more often than not like fit inside the data key. I've only reached for a, a, an extra meta key very few times. Okay. Okay, cool. So resource responses. Now, are those also uh, restricted to being responses off of like a particular eloquent object. So I can think of times where I have a couple of different things that I'm pulling together, right? And it's not necessarily just an eloquent model that I'm needing to respond with, but maybe some sort of shaped set of values uh, that don't don't correspond one-to-one with like elo- eloquent model, right? Would that work for something like that? Or would you do something else in that case? I think in that case, I'd reach for something like Laravel data. And that's and that's a place okay. that I've started to come to as well as instead of using the resource responses, I've been getting a lot more utility out of returning the Laravel data, like DTOs, um, especially getting the type. Is that a Spassi package then? Yep. That's the Spassi package. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then you talked about the TypeScript stuff too, because you know when you're returning JSON responses to your front end, especially if you're going to be the one consuming it with like a view front end or something like that, the the Laravel data package can also generate for you TypeScript definitions that you can utilize inside your front end, right? So you can make sure you have basically like type safety from the back end all the way to the front end, which is 
something that's really difficult to achieve if you don't have a package that's handling keeping it updated for you. Yeah, and one of the I'm I'm working on prototyping like the end-to-end workflow, but something that's really interested me is using the Laravel data package, generating those TypeScript types. And there's already a lot of tooling that exists for the TypeScript side. So using those TypeScript definitions to turn that into JSON schema and then being able to plug that into your open API documentation and that all like works together in automation. Okay. Okay, cool. So uh, Michael, you you were going to say something a little bit earlier. I wanted to give you a chance to say whatever you were going to say there. Yeah, I think this is kind of where we're at at work at the moment is that we started with this JSON API, which there was always the sort of grand plan that we would have external collaborators on that API that they would you know ingest the resources, they would create their own resources, and then they would potentially come back to our platform to then use the SPA that we'd built to then you know work with that data. So the theory being that, we would have all these third parties that had different CRM integrations, you know, Salesforce or whatever, that they would push stuff in to our API and then they would come into our API and then work with that raw data in, you know, in the way that we kind of structure it and and sling it all together. And I think the, the more and more we went down that path, the more we kind of saw that the value was not in the resources themselves. It was more so in how we kind of stitch it all together and the business rules around that, which which don't really work so well in the context of the the JSON API where it's kind of one-to-one sort of resource in, resource out, where you kind of rely on other bits and pieces in order to validate it. So it got a bit murky there. And, and so the kind of path that we're tending toward now for the third rewrite, I suppose, is, um, oh, man. you know, we're, we're building an API for ourselves. We're going to try and stick, as you said, to the, the eloquent resources for for the most basic things, but we've also started looking at sort of the the Laravel data classes as well because they provide us that kind of consistency between the types that are defined on the back end and the structures along with whatever is required in, in the front end. And so anytime we need to kind of expose something externally, you know, if we're sending webhooks out to CRMs and things like that, or if we're receiving data, it's kind of a little bit more streamlined and a little bit more simplified um, because, you know, you find yourself in those situations where you've got this, the full weight of the JSON API spec, but it can, unless you're doing like specific resource sort of requests and responses, I think it gets a little bit trickier to kind of reason about, especially when you're kind of talking about not document structures, but how all these things tie together. Um, and, yeah. and and like Laravel gives you a lot of power in that regard in terms of managing it with, you know, the bare metal without all of that extra baggage of, you know, doing all of the relationships and all of the meta and all of the pagination in a specific way to satisfy, satisfy the specification rather than following the Yagni principle and sort of satisfying the requirements of, of the application. Yeah, and I think for you too, like some of the things that you've talked about before is that a lot of these are based around actions, not necessarily around resources, right? Now it's an action that's occurring for a resource, but how do you represent that in sort of like a restful way? You know what I mean? Maybe Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually fit some of what JSON API was designed to solve. And so, um, you know, like you said, like you're ending up, it feels like you're sort of stuck in a corner on like, I have to have this massive response, but none of it's relevant for this particular type of response I'm sending back. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And you get into situations where you're sending back, you know, reams of data that's not 
not always necessarily paginated or you don't necessarily know where some piece of that information is. And so you end up bloating the front end with these giant JSON objects that, that have got, you know, only by relation, you know, here is this other related thing and the ID that goes with it. But you're, you're talking these, you know, huge multi-kilobyte, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, multi-kilobytes of, of JavaScript or JSON that's coming back to the front end that has to then be crunched by the browser. It's, you know, less than ideal. Yeah, I mean, either you're yeah. sending these giant payloads or you're forcing the client into a situation where they have to crawl that response and then make a bunch of extra requests mm. to go and get all of the mm-hmm. related pieces of data and then assemble it. So they also have to have some domain context to be able to reassemble that into the document that you could just return. And then when you start getting into mm-hmm. actions too, like you're now kind of mixing a bit of rest with a bit of RPC, like depending on how you do it. And there's just not that flexibility available in that spec. So kind of defining your own really gets what you need. What's yeah. uh, to, can you tell me what RPC is? So like rest, I think most people are probably familiar with that, right? So it's, it's, you know, the actions sort of associated with resources It's very centered around resources, but what's, what's RPC stand for? Uh, I believe it's, Oh, now, of course, you asked me, so I blow it out of my mind, mm-hmm. right? It's like remote procedure call. So it's kind of like gotcha. you're calling a function and then like the body that you're sending is part of that request or like the arguments to that function. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, that, that, that helps to clarify a little bit. So you had sort of naturally transitioned a little bit there, uh, TJ. Uh, from JSON API, you know, so JSON API and and what we're talking about now is, you know, JSON API is a very defined spec. Uh, it's great for if you have like RESTful, a RESTful API and, you know, you're very heavily based around resources and things like that. And that's all good. You know, if all you're doing is creating and editing and updating and deleting a resource, then excellent. If you're doing something else, it might be helpful to consider using some other sort of format or defining your own. Laravel has a great standard set of its own JSON response definitions. But again, you know, that's again sort of tied to eloquent models. So Laravel data is another option that you can use. So again, you're going to have to define your own schema there, your own sort of set of expectations. So along with that, defining your own expectations, some of what comes along with that is informing your consumers about what the responses are going to look like, right? Where do you document that? And I think that's where you were kind of going into open API. Um, so maybe you could talk about how, you know, your spec, whether it's JSON API, whether it's the Laravel set of, um, you know, defaults that you get, or you've defined your own uh, expectations for what people could, you know, relatively consistently expect to get from your API. Uh, where do you all document that? And that's inside of open API, I'm guessing. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what that is and how that all works together. Yeah, open API is kind of your, it's where you define all of your bits that are not the like resource types themselves. So that's where you define like your okay. network layer, where you define your authentication protocols, and like you define all of your routes. So like your route parameter types. So like this is supposed to be like an ID or UUID or a string. We kind of like define that for the the routes. And then all of your data, then you can also define an open API. But I prefer when we get into data types and like the structures of your like request responses, those I like to move over to JSON schema. Um, and those okay. play 
like all the latest versions of everything like play pretty nice together where you can reference the JSON schema from your open API documentation. And a lot of the tooling that will render the open API documentation plays nice with JSON schema and it all works well. Okay. So making sure I'm just repeating back to you what I'm hearing. Um, so open API is meant to define uh, how people are supposed to authenticate with your service. You said the network layer. Do you mean in what way do you mean? What does that mean? So you'll define your like domain names that you have available. So like different environments, you can structure all of that inside of there where you have like, oh, here's like the staging domain. Here's the production domain. So you can like have all of that in there as well as all of your like API URIs. So all the different routes that your APIs expose, you define that in the open API spec as well. So give me an example of what that would be, like all the different URIs you're talking about. Like would this be both would this be both your um your resource endpoints as well as like your RPC endpoints? Like would you define all of the different routes in here? Yeah, you'd define everything. So you'd have your like users, you'd have your users create. So you'd have your like your post, your get, your put your delete like you define all of that for the users so you define all of those like urls basically in the open api spec and so you would do that for resources rpc like you're defining that as like your contract that you're making available to everybody that's going to be consuming it gotcha so then inside of that users create there right so you've defined that endpoint now Inside of that, the resource, sorry, the the um, request that we're expecting, as well as an example response that we would get, those would be defined now in JSON schema. As a preference, yes, there you can define it in the Open API spec, but I feel like you get a little bit more bang for your buck with JSON schema. Okay, so we define the requests and responses in json schema so what is the what's the benefit to doing it in json schema over over the open api so open api allows you or has the capability to define the requests and responses in there but the reason why you would choose json schema is why i'm not certain about the latest versions but there were more validation rules available for json schema like at the time that i kind of defined that preference but I also like the ability to be able to work with the data types independent of the network layer. So there's different tooling opportunities there. So if I have the JSON schemas for the requests and the responses, I can actually go into my Laravel application and test that my requests and responses are like abiding by that JSON schema independent of loading hmm, nice. the entire spec into like that. We can just grab that data type and test it right there. And then when we go to generate the documentation, we can just kind of massage that all together with some tooling. So you can use the JSON schema. So you said, I like to work with the data objects and the sort of data layer validation layer independent of the network layer. So the open API thing is the network layer that you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? And then the JSON schema is defining like your data both types. The the re- yeah, like, well, and also the validation layer, right, of like what the requests should look like coming in. So you can test that your your application, your Laravel application abides by that particular JSON schema request and will validate the correct types. And also that on the way out, it will also abide by the particular JSON schema that you've defined to say, yes, my responses are these particular types that I've defined in my JSON schema. Yep. Okay, cool. And... um 
Interesting. So there's there's already tooling around that then, is what you're saying. Like that's not something you'd have to reinvent. Like there are, I think you actually have a package, don't you? Around like JSON schema and something like that. So yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's a package I put together along with the Laravel talk that I did. Um, and at the time I was building a payment acceptance API that we had the documentation for, and that was a piece that I just, I really wanted to test was that our documentation was matching our implementation. Um, so I built that package. I'm It's due for some love. I think the last uh, couple updates came from Michael getting it up to date to use <laughs> in his project. So um, I'm going to try to get back around to, to giving that a little bit of love because I think it, it makes a big difference. But I'm really interested into what tooling opportunities are available using Laravel data and kind of going the opposite way of being able to generate those JSON schemas from the code base itself. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, so that's the other thing, right? Is instead of writing the schema and then saying, make sure that my my actual application abides by that, you're saying, let me write the data object. Let me do typing inside of my application and then and then spit out the JSON schema based on what I've already written inside of my code base, right? So you don't have to keep those two in sync. It just kind of does it by itself. That's the idea. Yeah, there's two pieces to that, right? Like that makes it a lot easier to integrate with an API that you already have like written that you need to generate these like documentation pieces for. But I'm a huge advocate of doing the design work up front. So Mm. even before we're necessarily like writing the controllers, if we're going to sit down and do the design first, you can easily sit down and like design these Laravel data, like deep, like DTOs and have that ready to go and generate your documentation off of that. So I'm still advocating for like design up front whenever you have the opportunity to, but you can just create those objects. Then you like can work your implementation to match that and have that documentation available for the rest of your team or other people to integrate. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Before you even have it done actually. Right. You know, so it's like if your API team is still working on the implementation, your front end team can sort of make uh, like mocks or consume the API as it's spec'd out even before your, your API team has it done. Yep. There's a really cool tool set that I've been wanting to spend more time looking at. Um, it's packed and you can check it out at packed.io, but their whole tool set is really based around defining that contract first and making it available for everybody to be able to consume. And they've got some different takes on it than I've initially thought about. So their take is like consumer-driven development, right? So your front end would actually be, like your front end team um, would actually be the ones like defining the contract for the back end team to be implementing. But they also support the reverse of that too, where you're the like the team providing the API and then you're making that spec and they have mock servers available that generate all of that stuff. Um, It looks really cool. And I've really wanted to spend more time with it. I just haven't yet. Okay. So I'm going to pause for a second because I want to stop talking so Michael can get a word in edgewise, but I do have more (laughs) questions. So Michael, feel free to jump in whenever or however. Yeah, I feel the the documentation story and the documentation strategy is always the the kind of interesting one from my perspective. It's something that we're looking at at the moment now. Like, as you say, we use that JSON schema assertions package quite a bit just to kind of only really to enforce the contract between the front end and the and those types to make sure, you know, we're not just 
accidentally removing anything. You know, we've had rebases go wrong and things like that where fields have disappeared. And so the the contract tests that we have using those schema assertions are really useful because they, they can point out at testing time, hey, you, you're missing this field and we can kind of go and investigate that. But also not allowing anyone to add any new fields unless they're properly documented to kind of keep the whole thing in sync. But what, what we're looking at at the moment as we kind of look to restructure how we're doing our API is, you know, how do we document this stuff? There's there's tooling that I've used before, like Stoplight Studio, but that makes you have an account now for some reason if you're only even if you're only doing local stuff, doing it by hand, you know, in VS Code or Vim or PHP Swim or whatever is is always a bit nasty because you kind of got to know what all of it is. And it's like fairly boilerplate stuff, but it's you know, you've got to go through it over and over again. You've got to have the docs open for the docs, you know, in order to know what types you're putting in here, how do you, how you want to reference them, what you want them to look like. And we've looked at, we talked about on Laravel News, I think last episode or a couple of episodes ago, this this package called Scramble, which allows you to kind of generate the documentation based on the eloquent resources and things like that that you've already got. So kind of allowing you to tackle it in the reverse order, which I think is not necessarily the best approach, obviously, because you want to make sure that you are building to this thing that you're adhering to a contract. And wherever possible, I kind of like to do the docs first because that way we know that everyone's on the same page. The front-end team can you know, go and run with building out against stubs and mocks and things like that. They know what the shape of the data is going to look like, knowing that you know it's not going to change, even if they don't necessarily have a real sort of API to hit. And then being able to kind of build the back end to fit that scope. You know, we can go and test, okay, this field is missing, you know, add it, run it back, do the next one, et cetera, et cetera. So documentation uh, documentation and tooling is always the nasty thing. Like there's always these half-baked kind of solutions that I've come across that are no longer maintained or it's some like NPM package that you've got to run something and, you know, they just don't work or you've got to go and pay for you know, apiary or stoplights hosted thing or the swagger still has like some hosted option as well. So there's all of this like disparate documentation stuff. And unless you're on top of it or, you know, doing document documentation or design first development of your APIs, those things always get out of sync. I had I had a third party that I was, you know, we're trying to move towards using fixture data for our tests so that we don't paddle their sandbox environments in CI all the time. And their API documentation was not consistent with their sample code, which was not consistent with their actual API. So, you know, unless you're keeping on top of them, it's a, you know, it's, it's a nightmare for everyone involved. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's sort of like part of the other question I had then, which was, you know, generating, generating documentation, uh, based on both your JSON schema and your open API. So AP, open API is stored in what format? Like how do you write open API and how do you write JSON schema stuff? What sort of files do those live in? Do they live right alongside your repository or are they typically somewhere else? How do you write those? What do they look like? Yeah, so they're both either YAML or JSON. Like that's a pretty typical um for all of that tooling space, uh, where you store them, that that can depend on what you want to do. 
Um, if you want to take the approach where you want to keep that independent of all the implementations, then you can put that in a repo somewhere and both, you know, both projects can pull that in and work against that. Um, you can keep it along with your API if you want to do that too. I think there's a lot of options depending on your team structure, your team sizes and, you know, like what the project is. Like, are you publishing okay. an API only, or are you just kind of publishing the API for the same monolith to consume in the front end? Like then you're probably just going to keep everything in the same code base. So I think there's a lot right. of valid options for that, but yeah, the, the format would be JSON or YAML. If I'm handwriting it, I'm probably doing it in YAML. If I'm tooling it, it's probably in JSON. Now, what sort of tools would you use to write open API and JSON schema? What would you select as like, if you didn't want to write it by hand, right? What would you do in that case? I mean, if you didn't want to write it by hand, there's a couple UI tools out there. I don't know if any of them are still around, so... I haven't looked at them in a while. I just kind of write it. I got used to writing them by hand. So Vim. <laughs> Attaboy. <laughs> um, there's, yeah, there's a several UI kits out there. Um, there was a really nice JSON schema one. And I think that was even at like jsonschema.org. Um, there was just, they just had a great UI for like building them and you could even take a schema, paste it in, edit it, and then like re-export it. So that was really handy. But I, I didn't even have that hard of a time hand rolling them. Like it was, you know, because we were sitting down and planning them out. We're not like sitting down and trying to plan out like 30 endpoints at a time. We're talking about typically like a resource and an action set. So five, six routes at a time we're defining. Mm -hmm. So it's not too bad mm -hmm. to write that YAML out and then work against that. Yeah. So then from there, once you've gotten it written out, what's the best way to present that in a documentation sort of form, right? So is there... Uh, typically some sort of open source library that you're using that you're saying, here's my, here's my open API documentation, my JSON schema documentation, uh, generate docs, you know, HTML docs for me or something uh, like that. Is that, that sounds nice. Is there, is there tooling like that? Is there something that works like that? There are yep. You spit out a word doc and convert that to a PDF and then you email that to a, to a product manager who emails that to your product manager who then emails that to you. At some mm. point there's a fax. Mm. <laughs> so no i mean dude that's got to exist right oh there's heaps um i mean there's apiary swagger has uh, a couple um stoplight will work with open api um, and those are like it depends on what your cost tolerance and quality level like what do you want do you want a service that will take your open api documentation and provide mock servers for you um there's all sorts of stuff. No, so so I'm drawing the line here. I'm not saying mock servers yet. I'm just saying in the case that I want to have a page that I can provide to a consumer of this API, right? Where, you know, think Stripe documentation or like Twilio documentation where it says, here's the different things that you can do. Click here and it shows you here's the request. Here's what it would expect the request to look like. Here's an example response and what we'd expect it to look like. That sort of documentation. It seems like based on my open API and JSON schema stuff that that shouldn't be that difficult because it's already written. Yeah, there's no, there's like, I've, there's many, many places that will like render them as paid for services. So you give them your open API and they give you a nice UI. And then typically those services also come out like with a bunch of extra tooling. Um, if you wanted to render on the open source track, there's a couple different options. Um, 
Swagger, I believe, has an open source one for rendering through like Swagger Hub, I believe. You can do, there's like a hosted version and I believe you can also embed it. There's also Redoc and Slate are other two really nice open source ones. Um, the last one I had experience with was Redoc, and that worked pretty well. Okay. So generation of documentation. Yeah, because, the, again, the, the, the whole thing here is consistency, right? I want to be able to have a single spec that everything then uses, right? JSON uh, schema, I can run up against, I can use that to design first. I can run that up against my app and make sure that it's working correctly. And then I should just be able to use those same documents to be able to generate documentation that I could then deliver to my people who are going to be consuming it, right? And then ideally, there's two other parts to this for me. The two other parts are something like a Postman collection, right? How could I generate it? Can I generate something like a Postman collection based on my JSON schema, my open API stuff? And and what what does that look like? Is that does Postman just accept open API spec and then it says, Yeah, I'll spit out a collection for you, no problem. I believe so. I mean, basically once mm. you get it into the open API like standard, you have so many tooling options available to you. I think what you run into is a little bit of what Michael mentioned though, is there's a lot of those tools that are like the last commit was like four years ago and it may yeah. or may not work. You'll get a lot of tools that implement Open API 2, but not 3. And like 3 has a lot of mm. really big features in it. So it, the tooling landscape is definitely all over the place. But there are tools you'll come across that are up to date and work great. And you just kind of stick with those. That's kind of where I've stumbled across Redoc. Like kind of in prep for this, I went poking around and I believe that's got some pretty recent commits in it too. So there's, there's options around there for free, but there's, if you are not cost adverse, there's a lot of really good like hosted options that do work with up-to-date specs and don't have too much of a problem. Yeah. Yeah, so like the the postman thing is sort of like if you wanted to say, hey, potential client, here is a postman collection and you can just sort of poke around at this uh sandboxed, you know, environment yeah. and try out the try out the real thing. See what it actually feels like to use this and, you know, here you go. Uh which I think any of us who are sort of used to integrating with APIs, if it doesn't come with like a postman collection, we're creating our own set of stuff, right? Whether it's Postman or whether it's um, mm-hmm. Insomnia. Uh, what's that one that's uh, Insomnia. Insomnia, exactly, yeah. Or like, there's another one like I can't remember what it's like a dog or something. HTTP CLI has got a a desktop application now as well. So yeah, so like all those different ones, and so it's like because we we kind of have to figure out what what the shape of these things look like if they don't have great documentation. We actually want to push up against the real sandboxed environment, right? So to see what mm-hmm. it's what it's really doing, so. You know, having the ability to generate those sort of postman things and and play around with them outside of our applications is nice. But the last thing that I wanted to talk about, and we'll probably wrap up on this because we're at like 42 minutes, is this idea of how do I, as a person who is going to be potentially consuming this in an environment where I don't want to be hitting the real thing, I, I don't want to hit a sandbox, or maybe you do, but but basically what you want to do is you want to provide test responses to particular requests 
for the sake of your front end team who's not yet hooked up to your real API endpoints yet, or for the sake of testing your stuff, Michael, you said this precisely, testing your your application, not hitting their sandbox because you know there's rate limits or there's whatever, right? And so how do you set up a mock server using this data and something like, I suppose what you would think of it as is like Faker, right? So you have, you know, you're in your JSON schema, you've defined here's the type of response object or here's the type of data. I expect to get a string back here. I expect to get a integer here or UUID or an address or a name or an email, right? And then you could pass this schema to some sort of, you know, hosted service. And then when you're testing or when your front end team is working, they can just sort of change their URL to be, here's where I'm actually hitting. I'm going to expect the same types of responses from this endpoint, but they're all going to be faked out rather than being actually hitting a real environment, right? So that's sort of the last piece of the equation here. We've got our own solutions to this, but not because we have JSON schema and open API stuff. We literally just fake it all right inside of our applications. Uh, But that's because our front end and back end are all in the same application, you know? So mm-hmm. um, for people working in the front end, that's a little bit more difficult. So I'll leave us with that sort of question and you guys can sort of answer that on how you've solved that. I mean, I think you can go about that a handful of different ways. I mean, once you get it into an open API spec, there's a multitude of services that can take that spec and give you mock servers to go up against. Um, you can hand roll them. I think one of the things that I really like to do is like, if you can like provide a set of like faked out mocked SDKs and, and tooling available to those clients to use that they can just swap those out with for their testing or, you know, be able to see what those shapes of responses look like. I think Stripe has, I think Stripe for a while had something like that and i thought that was a really clever way to go about it but you often don't have like that big of a dev team behind you to be able to like publish really nice polished sdks for all the different programming languages so there's i'd find tooling out there to use to to host a mock server for you yeah okay fair enough Yeah, i know that in the past i've looked at apiary that kind of does that thing um i think maybe even swagger hub potentially that like the hosted options they do it we've used like MuleSoft lenders that we integrate with that that use MuleSoft and things like that that provide all of these mock services so that you can kind of test all of that stuff out without having to actually use those APIs yep and there's um that service pack that I was talking about has like a really nice like big integration for that too being able to have like two-way mocking and data verification hmm Two-way mocking, what's that mean? Um, so not necessarily two-way mocking, but like two-way contract generation. It's a lot more to get into than we have time for here, but definitely worth checking out. Okay, so that packed one is, yeah, as I'm reading it, it seems they've got some really good um, documentation. Their right? documentation like, is incredible. They have some really nice animations that make it make a lot more sense. Hmm. Yeah. Code first tool for testing HTTP and message interactions using contract tests. So those assert that inter-application messages conform to a shared understanding that's documented in a contract. Interesting. Do you set your house on fire to test your smoke alarm? No. 
you push the button and make sure that your fire alarm works when you <laughs> press the fire alarm button, right? And so, um, interesting. Okay. Well, that's all helpful, guys. That's really helpful. I think that um, this gives me a really good start uh, into understanding at least making sense of these three different pieces that we talked about last time, JSON API, JSON schema, and Swagger slash OpenAPI, because OpenAPI is just the newer version of Swagger, or what is, what's the deal there? So OpenAPI is the spec, Swagger is all the tooling. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. Open API is the spec, Swagger is the tooling. Okay. Yeah. If nothing else, this has clarified a lot of the the um, word ramblings for me. Yeah, exactly. It's clarified a lot of that for me. Now, the one thing I will say is I also talked to Joel Claremont, who is mm-hmm. uh, half of the um, No Compromises podcast. Um, Aaron Saray is the other guy. Uh, but Joel reached out after our last podcast was like, hey, uh, we just actually finished implementing something like this in Laravel. And so I, we, if we want to continue on this train for one more show, maybe I'll have him jump on on our next mm-hmm. show and we can talk to him about a recent sort of implementation of some of the stuff that he actually did inside of a Laravel application. I think that might be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be handy. Sweet. Awesome. Well, TJ, dude, thank you so much for stepping yes, on. You, uh, you are not nearly as rusty as you as you let on, my friend. You still got it all <laughs> up there rattling around. Yeah, man, it warmed up as we You went still along. remember. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I knew you I knew you had it in you. I, I had never never had any doubt, my friend. Awesome, everybody. Well, hey, this has been episode 145. Thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcastlaravel news. Just kidding, everybody. <laughs> North meets South the audio slash one forty five. I knew I was just teasing Michael. I was just teasing. <laughs> Reach out to us at Jacob Bennett at Michael Dorinda or at six L I V three. Is that still, nope. still what it is? I'm at Hey TJ. Miller. No, or, tell me, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is, TJ. Yeah, hit me at Hey What's TJ Miller. Handle? If you go to the uh, hey, SIX LIV three, it will redirect you. But uh, Hey TJ Miller is where I'm at. Okay, easier to remember. Hey TJ Miller. Yeah, that's that's, that's good. Um, and then rate us up and be a podcast your choice would be amazing. Five stars would be great. And tune in next time to hear more stuff about JSON APIs and all the amazingness they bring to our lives. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. See you. Bye.